My subject for today is, the title of the sermon, I kid you not, is, When God Messes Up Your Plans. It is. So this is a God thing. I am convinced this is a God thing. And uh, for me, all was not calm. All was not bright. Uh, a few minutes ago, I kind of reminded me of my, our, our church back in the Twin Cities. I was doing the contemporary service, the one that was at 11 o'clock. And halfway through the service, I won't explain details, but I had to go. And so I ran off stage and the worship pastor came up and did a song and then I was back. And that endeared me to those young people for the rest of our tenure there. So a similar thing happened and I hope that endears me to you for the rest rest of um, our tenure here, however long that may be after this, this worship service. So, when God messes up your plans, I'd like to take today a very uh, simple look at Christmas by asking the question that you really can't help but ask if you look at the Christmas story, and that is this, what do you do when God messes up your plans? I was impressed with this this year more than ever before as I read the Christmas story and through the Christmas program that uh, he's doing it again. Thank you, Lord. Are we okay? And uh, looking back this year, uh, at the year, at the back this last year and at the year to come, given all that we've been talking to people about, Julie and me and many of you, about what's happened to your lives, what's happened to my life that was unexpected uh, this last year, all the unknowns in the economy and the world as we looked at 2011, it might be good for us to ask today, what do you do when God messes up your plans, whether last year or in the year to come? Or how do you counsel a friend with whom that's happened? I would suspect one or two of those things will happen over the next 12 12 months. You know, when Christ was born that first Christmas, nobody expected it, right? It was like totally unplanned. Nobody had made any plans for it at all. In fact, it messed up everybody's plan. If you think about it, it messed up King Herod's plan because he wanted to be the king of the Jews, and here the real king was coming. Now what do I do? It messed up the shepherd's plan because they were planning on another quiet night with the sheep. It messed up, you know, the religious leader's plans because they were expecting a political leader. A Messiah who had come and set them free, you know, from Roman captivity. And Jesus came along and said stuff, stuff like, turn the other cheek. Oh, no, Lord, you've got it wrong. That doesn't work in the real world. We're up against an empire here. Turn the other cheek. Go the second mile. Love your enemies. They were saying, wait a minute, Jesus, that's not exactly what we wanted. Let's rewind and start again. Sometimes I feel that way. But most of all, it messed up Mary and Joseph's plans, which is what I'd like to focus on today. Mary and Joseph were just a young couple. They were barely teenagers. And all they wanted to do was to get married, you know, and to have little Marys and Josephs. What's wrong with that? And while they were preparing for the wedding during their engagement, all of a sudden... As we all know, God comes along and says, I'm going to change that plan a little bit. 
The angel said to Mary and Joseph, Mary, three things are going to happen. One, you're going to get pregnant before your wedding day. Two, it's not going to be Joseph who's the father. It's going to be a virgin birth. It's going to be a miracle like has never happened before. And three, by the way, uh, the baby's going to be God. Can you imagine? That messed up their plans just a little bit. They weren't at all expecting that to happen. Has God ever messed up your plans? I know it's happened to many of you this year. I've talked to many of you. Most of us have experienced in many ways uh, over the years that kind of thing. Both serious and comical sometimes. I don't. Maybe you may have read, I forget which paper it, is, it was in, but about a woman in New York who took her son to visit Santa Claus and... Uh, she set her son on Santa Claus's lap at the mall. Um, and when she did, she discovered that Santa Claus, this is a true story, was her ex-husband. <laughs> uh, he was an ex-husband who was not paying child support. Now, I don't think he was planning this. Three hours later, she came back with a court injunction and handed it to him. And, of course, from then on, he wasn't saying ho, ho, ho anymore. He hadn't planned on that. Now, the fact is that a lot of our plans get messed up because we mess them up. It's not a God thing. Our own stupidity ruins our plans a lot of the time. But sometimes God does it providentially. It's just like totally out of your hands. You have done your best. You've done more than your best. You've been faithful. Like it says in Proverbs, the mind of man plans his way, but heaven knows the Lord directs his paths, right? That's what you're saying. God in his sovereignty changes circumstances around because he's got another idea uh, in mind. And that's obviously what happened at Christmas time about 2,000 years ago. So what do you do? What do you do when God messes up your plans through situations that are out of your control? It happens. Life happens. And when it does... What do you do? Well, looking at Mary and Joseph, and I'm sure there's a lot more here, but what stood out to me was this. You do three things. The Bible says that he wants us to remember three things when he messes up our plans. One, remember this. He's trying to get your attention. That's always the case. He's trying to get your attention. When, when, when your life goes haywire, God is saying, hello, you know, earth to Brian, it's a time you start listening. We all need that. Two, remember, he has a different plan. A plan that's always better. Three, remember that in the meantime, he wants you to trust him. Trust him. I think that's what God wants to say to us this Christmas time. And it was only reinforced by what happened before the service. It's all about our plans being ruined, right? As we look back over this last year, and as we look ahead to the year to come. First, God is trying to get our attention when it feels like he's ruining our lives. Mary, in Mary and Joseph's case, the plan was so fantastic, so unbelievable, such a, uh, a once-in-a-lifetime a kind of event that God had to use a supernatural means to convince them it was really going to happen. They wouldn't have believed it in any other way. He sent an angel who said, this is what's going to happen. You're going to be a father of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Um, 
uh, who's God. He's going to come to earth on human, in human form through you. And we're going to split history into A.D. and B.C. God says, I just want you to listen to me. And you won't believe what you're going to hear. I've got something very important to say now that I've got your attention. It might not seem like a big deal, but I'm God and I know what's most important for your good. Problem is, when it comes to listening to God, most of us are kind of ADD, right? Attention deficit disorder. For one reason or another, we put them on call waiting, on hold. The phone's busy. We're too busy listening to the radio or uh, watching TV or listening to other people or listening to to ourselves uh, for that matter. And we don't have time to listen to God. So God has to rearrange our plans. Wake up. Let me get your attention here. It's like C.S. Lewis said, God speaks to us in our pleasures, but he shouts at us in our problems and through our pain. It's a wake-up call. Listen. God says in Psalm 81.13, very simply, I wish my people would listen to me. Have you ever said that as a parent? Why does God want us to give us to give him our attention? Well, on a very basic level, he wants, just like any good parent with a young child, he wants to spare us as his young children a whole lot of pain in life. That's the most fundamental thing. We get ourselves into trouble when we don't follow what God tells us to do. Psalm 16.25, there is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. A lot of things in life look like the right thing to do, but when you get to the end, it's a dead end. You know, it's a disaster. That's the idea. Have you ever done anything in life, made a decision, you know, that you thought this is guaranteed, this is a, uh, a surefire success, and when, it, and when it actually comes to pass what you thought you wanted or it doesn't, it's just like this, this unmitigated failure. And you say, okay, God, you've got my attention. You've got to say something. What is it that you want me to learn here? Sure, we've all had plans like that that didn't go the way we intended them to go. And why don't they? Well, because you don't know the future. And uh, neither does, do, do I know the future, God is trying to say, perhaps. Because we don't know the future. We don't know how things are going to turn out in spite of our plans. And that's why God says, I want you to listen to me all the time. Because he does know the future. God can see around the corner. He can see the problems. He can see all the, you know, the upcoming detours, the roadblocks. And if you just listen to him, you can avoid a whole lot of pain in life. There are plenty of places in the Bible where God says, if you do these things, he gets down on our level, puts his hand on our shoulders, looks us straight in the eye, says, child. If you do these things, you'll be satisfied. You'll, be, you'll have meaning in life. Your life will be easier. Thou shalt not commit adultery, for instance. We're talking about real basic things here. Among many other things. And he says, if you do these other things, it's going to cause... If you, and if you don't follow that plan for your life, it's going to cause misery. And it's going to cause uh, guilt. And it's going to cause broken relationships. And hell on earth is going to cause anger and worry and all sorts of things. And I don't want that for you. God's way may be harder for you, but it will always be easier on you. 
When he tells us to do what to do and what not to do, it's not because, you know, he's just this, some ogre up there like many people think. This, you know, this, this cosmic cop in the sky, some bully with a stick and a, a, a nail through one end that whacks us around just because he wants, us to, wants to make up rules that make no sense. He does it because he loves us. It's like a mother who says, "Hun, don't touch that. It's a hot stove. Let me tell you about what happens when you touch a hot stove. She's not doing that because she's a tyrant. She's doing that out of love. And so God says, I want you too to give me your attention. I can make it a little bit easier for you. There's a way that seems right, but I, I'm telling you, it's a dead end. Some of you have probably gone through that. If you listen to me, it'll be better for you. So sometimes he has to mess up the circumstances of our lives in order just to get our attention. But he does more than that. The second thing is this. When God messes up your plans, he's also saying, I've got a better plan. I've got a better plan than you might ever have imagined. It says in Jeremiah 29, 11, the verse that we started the service with, I know what I am planning for you, says the Lord. I have good plans for you, not plans to hurt you. I will give you a hope and a good future. God's saying, my plans for your life are good. A lot of people think, maybe you're thinking that here today. I, you know, if I really give my life to God, if I start following Christ, he's going to make my life so miserable. I just know it. No fun, no parties, total boredom. You know, I've got to go and become some kind of Amish person or something. But God says, no, you, you don't understand. I made you. I love you. I designed you for a purpose on this earth that transcends life, that turns life into a blink of an eye. And all eternity is waiting for you. And that purpose is good. And it's fu- exciting. And it's fulfilling. Yeah, it's a better plan that uh, he's got for you. There are two major things that make it better. It's almost counterintuitively, at least the second thing. The first thing that makes it better is that uh, his plans are bigger than your plans. might not seem like it, but they are. Because they're all orchestrated to consummate in eternity. And even in this life sometimes. They're bigger than your plans. God's plan for your life is always bigger than your plans because he's got a bigger perspective. He's got a cosmic perspective. He's got a view of, of, of earth to heaven. When you see your life from his perspective, you'll see that he wants to do so much more. You know, Mary and Joseph didn't want to do bad things. They just wanted to get married and settle down and be a nice, happy couple. God said, on the other hand, God said, I want to bless the whole world through you. Which would you want? If you don't get anything else I say, get this. God made you for a purpose. And you have no idea how much he wants to work through you, how much he could do through you if you were totally committed to his plan for your life, to listening to his voice and doing what he says, rather than your little plan for your life, your ambitions, your dreams, your goals that might seem big, but they're so trivial sometimes. If we only knew. So when he messes up your plans, it's a great opportunity to say, God, here I am. I'm totally available to you. I want to hear from you. Do with me what you want to do so your bigger plan can be accomplished, your better plan. That's what Mary and Joseph ended up saying. 
You may feel like, you know, life's not worth it, worth, worth living now, now that that whatever dream you had is like totally sh- shattered. You would not believe what God wants to accomplish through you. His plans for you are better because his plans are bigger. But second, they're better because his plans are harder. Good is bad in his economy sometimes. They're harder. That's why so many people cut out on him. It's human beings. It's human nature. It's our way to take the easy way out, to slide through life, to take the course of least resistance. But God says, I'm not saying it's going to be easier. In fact, my way is going to be harder. Why? Because God is more interested, and listen to this, in your character than your comfort. He is infinitely more interested in your character than your comfort, as you will be too once you see life from heaven's perspective. He wants you to grow up. He wants to make you mature. He wants you to be a person of character and of integrity who takes responsibility in the most important areas of life. He he is in no way going to take problems out of our life. It's the harder way always, almost always, not all the time, but fairly regularly because God's way produces character. If you had all the problems removed out of your life, if you did, I know some of you, you'd be a spoiled brat. And I would be too. If you got your way at everything, if we did, we'd be worthless. We'd be hollow men, shape without form, gesture without motion, just empty shadows walking around with no substance of glory that'll shine in eternity. That's what the whole world is like. God says, yes, it'll be harder. So when when Mary and Joseph said, okay, God, we're going to cooperate with your plan. Use us. Just look at their example. Was that easy? No, it wasn't easy for Mary to say, okay, I'm going to be an unwed mother in this culture, which is far harder than our culture. Can you imagine the gossip that went on in those days that she went through that and those and who's you know going who's going to believe her story It's God he told me Would you believe that Yeah sure And then at the end of Mary's pregnancy two or three days you know before she's going to deliver when most women you know, just want to lay down she's got to get on a donkey and rise ride for several days from uh, Nazareth to Bethlehem um, being almost ready to deliver her child I'm sure it was extremely uncomfortable for her And then when she got there she had to deliver her first child without her mom or her dad or her grandmother uh, or her, uh, any of her relatives without the comforts of home all around her by herself in another city in a stable. But what all that developed in her, hard though it was, was as good as gold. Better than gold. Yes, he has a better plan. And his better idea is not only bigger, it's harder. It's harder because it's bigger. It's harder because, like Job said, through all that he went through, in the middle of it, he said, when he has tried me, I will come out as gold. 
He's far more interested in your character than your comfort. And someday you're going to see that your character is far, a far bigger deal than we could ever have imagined. Yeah, his way is better because it's bigger and harder. And that's why the third thing God says to us is this. When, when I mess up your life, not only am I trying to get your attention, not only do I have a different plan that's better, when I mess up your plans, third, listen carefully, I want you to trust me. I want you to trust me. Can you imagine the faith that it took for Joseph to, to do what he had to do? You know, if your fiancé came to you one day and said, Honey, I'm pregnant. And, and by the way, it's God's fault. Would you believe that story? The Bible says that Joseph didn't believe it, and so he was going to put her away privately. He probably didn't believe it. He was going to call off the engagement until God sent an angel. Uh, so big was this plan that, that, who said, uh, It's all right. She's okay. It, 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 it's true. Can you imagine the faith that Mary had to have when she realized that of all the women in the entire world, God chose to use her as an instrument by which he would come into the world? God's plan was so different from their plan for their lives that all they could do was trust. And that's where he wants us all the time, to feel deep in our being. All I can do is trust. Ever felt that way? Some of you may be saying that right now. And that's okay because that is great. The Bible says there's only one way to please God. It's not by religion. You know, it's not by ritual. It's not by ceremony. It's not by a bunch of regulations. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us there's only one way to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, it says. Faith is the bottom line. God wants you to learn to trust him. And every time God messes up your plans, it's a test. Am I going to trust God or am I going to trust me? Do I think I know better or do I believe that God knows better? Do I think I know what's going to make me happy? Or do I really think that God knows what's best and what's really going to give me significance and purpose in life? Though it may not make me happy right away. It's a test. This Christmas you may be feeling a little discouraged. A lot of people are. It was a tough year last year for a whole lot of people. Or maybe you came here feeling a little bit lonely. A lot of people feel lonely at Christmas time. You may feel, be feeling stressed out, you know, by this whole Christmas thing and all the responsibilities. You may be a wife and it's all on your shoulders. The husband just doesn't think in terms of, you know, what this kid would really like. It's just beyond him. So you don't dare let him get the gift. And, it's, and, and all the gifts and all the stuff like that. You know, I, I always wait until the very end to get my gifts. I do it that way because there's only men in the mall then, <laughs> right? And it's a manly thing to do. <laughs> Feels better. I'm just kidding. I don't do that, but I know some of you do. For some of you, this is the first Christmas since the divorce, maybe. For some of you, like me, this is the first Christmas since um, uh, the death of, of a loved one. 
Maybe that's why I'm doing this message on what do you do when God messes up your plan. For some of you, this is the first Christmas since maybe that disability that you're going to have to live with the rest of your life. Whatever. If the truth were known, a good number of us are probably a little nervous about 2011. We're uncertain. We don't know which way it's going to go. We don't know if we're going to have a job or not. We don't, you don't know if this uh, relationship that means so much is going to last or where it will end if, or if your marriage is going to fall apart or if the kids are going to make it. We, you have all kinds of concerns and you don't know. And so we worry. The fact is we don't know. We have no idea what the, the, the future holds. You, you can call, you know, as many psychic hotlines as you want, and you still won't figure out the future. You won't. You're just wasting your money because it's God's secret. You don't know what 2011 is going to hold, but one thing we do know, that whatever happens, we can trust God. That we've got a sure foundation. And so that star that they followed that you've been looking at for the last uh, half hour or so, that star is for us too. It's the star of hope. It's the uh, star of promise. Take it as the star of 2011. How about that? If he's messed up your plans like he did with Mary and Joseph, all you have to do is follow the star. Pay him some attention. Believe him. Trust him. Hear him by giving him your attention. Believe him that he has a better plan. And whatever happens, trust him. Amen. Father, we do pray for all of us that you would help us to follow the star this year. Pray that we'd encourage each other as a body because you know how hard it is for us sometimes to do these things. So help us to do this together as a caring community to follow the star by listening, by believing, and by trusting. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.